0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member FDIC. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. <laughs> Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. So here we are in the month of May, and that means that we are nearing the halfway point in 2018 Our year of the awesome. I can't believe it's almost halfway over. As a reminder, our year of the awesome is all about becoming and being the awesome that the world around us needs so very much right now. Every month of 2018 has a theme to help us better focus on how we can be more awesome in every area of our lives. So if you are digging the idea of discovering how you can be more awesome, we would love to have you join our community of listener supporters. We are so thankful for our listener supporters who make our work possible. You can find out more about how to join us in that at sortaawesomeshow.com slash support. So yes, as part of our Year of the Awesome, our theme for May is home life. Recently, we have talked about the little celebrations that make home life so much more memorable. And last week, we talked about some ideas on how to have less sadness and less disappointment and more happiness when it comes to gifts and giving. This week, we are turning our attention to family life. And To a topic that we've covered briefly before on Sorta Awesome, and we're going to be having a new conversation about it this week, and it's the conversation around pregnancy loss. I'm joined today by a longtime friend and a woman whose work I admire so very much. She's truly an awesome through and through, and that's Adriel Booker. Adriel Booker is a writer, a speaker, and an advocate. She leads the Love a Mama Collective, a movement of women empowering women through safe birth initiatives in the developing world. She has worked globally with YWAM as a Bible teacher and mentor for the last 18 years. Adriel and her husband and three boys are cultivating community in the heart of Sydney, Australia, where they deeply enjoy living in a city by the sea. What's not to love about that? Adriel, hello and welcome to the show.
1: Hi Meg, it's so great
0: to be here. I am so excited to have you here on Sword of Awesome. You and I connected many years ago through the wonderful world of blogging.
1: We did, we
0: did. So I have really genuinely just admired your work so much. You're such an advocate for women in all ages and stages of life. And I know you have such a heart for women and for women's health, especially especially surrounding the issues that come along with pregnancy and childbirth and pregnancy losses. We're going to talk about more here later on the show today, but it's it's like the perfect time for you to come to Sorta Awesome.
1: It is. It's amazing. I'm just visiting the States now and loving it. So it's fun to be in a closer time zone to you. Yes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Totally. Okay. Well, let's go ahead. Before we get to the bigger conversation today, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. It's that moment in the show when we share with you all the awesomes about the books, the TV, the music, the podcast, whatever it is that is making our lives a little bit more awesome right now. Adriel, I would love to hear what you've brought to Sort of Awesome to share with us for Awesome of the Week.
1: Okay. Well, I'm excited to share my little find. I don't know how long this app has been around, but it is new to me and I'm loving it. It's called Marco Polo. Oh my it? gosh.
0: I've heard so much about it. I have oh. not used
1: it. Okay. So I'm a huge boxer fan. Yes. Um, I live in Australia. My friends are spread all over the world because of my work and, you know, and also because I'm originally from the States. So I use Voxer with my girlfriends all the time. I love that you don't have to coordinate time zones and you can leave messages at, you know, at a whim. But Marco Polo is very similar, but it's the use of video. Okay. Yes. So there's a few things. I, I don't always want to be on video. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? That's honestly so, what has stopped me from using Marco Polo. <laughs>
1: right? Okay. So I am still using Voxer for almost all of my chats with girlfriends. Um, but what I'm loving Marco Polo for is chats with my kids. Oh,
0: so fun. Yeah. So
1: right now I've been traveling for two weeks. And so Marco Polo has been the best thing because we were using Voxer before that. I do travel now and then for work. Um, And so we've always used Voxer, which is fun, and then FaceTime when we can coordinate. But um, discovering Marco Polo this trip has been such a gift because for the kids, it's so much more fun to use video than just sound. Yes. And so I've been loving it for that. And definitely when I get – I leave tonight back for Sydney, and when I get home, I'm going to be – Trying to use the app more for letting the kids connect with grandparents and extended family. Because I, I think it's just such a fun one for the kids to be able to do the video.
0: I love that. So many people have suggested that one to me because I do talk about, I use Voxer quite a bit, both personally and for, you know, work stuff. Um, I'm I'm on there often. But I have a lot of insecurities about the video component. But I—that's that, such a great point because kids don't have any of those insecurities. My kids love to do like FaceTime, and yeah. they're always wanting to be on my Instagram stories. They don't mm-hmm.
1: care; they're totally fine with who they are. So, oh yeah, they love it. I mean, the thing—one of the things I do love about Boxer is you've got the—you know—the ability to speed up the audio. And I think that comes in really handy, especially if it's a long message, which I do tend to leave. You know, So I'm grateful that other people have that option. Just yes. Of, but, but um, so I haven't discovered that Marco Polo has something like that. Maybe it does and I'm not aware. But so I think for long conversations, deep things, you know, Foxer's still going to be better. Um, but I do love it for the kids. It's been really fun to have Marco Polo.
0: Okay. So Marco Polo app – I don't know. Maybe this will be the push that I need, Adriel, to actually check it out and try to get over my insecurities and and give it a try. It's
1: pretty fun. You can send me one. I won't judge you.
0: Okay, perfect. Good. I (laughs) I will make you be my guinea pig on if I can actually do it or not. (laughs) Okay, well, I have. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna cram two things into my awesome of the week this week. They are two beauty products that truly have been making my life more awesome lately. One is a mascara, and one's a lipstick. Of course, <laughs> love so it. So, the first one is a new mascara. So, I have talked about before on the show. Recently, I think even at the beginning of the year, I talked about that I had found the mascara to end all mascaras for me. I was so in love with it. I was loving It Cosmetics superhero mascara. It really does add a lot to your lashes. I have really kind of wimpy, blondish lashes. There's not a lot there. I need a lot of help (laughs) (laughs) in <laughs> the mascara and lashes department is what I'm saying to you. So I had been loving it, except I did notice, and a couple of friends asked me about this and I, and I confirmed, this is true. It can be a little clumpy. It's a little clumpy at the beginning. And then as I got more towards the end of the the tube, I, I was like, this is just, it's it was so clumpy to the point where I was having to go back and kind of like use an eyelash comb to, or an eyebrow comb, I guess, actually, to kind of get the, lumps and the clumps out. And honestly, Adriel, I was spending way more time with my yeah, mascara than I really wanted okay. to. <laughs> that's
1: not okay.
0: I mean, I do like makeup and I actually enjoy and find a lot of fulfillment in doing my makeup every day, but I also don't have a lot of time. Like I don't have time to go back and like fix stuff. So no, no one has time for that. Yeah, exactly. So I tried. I'd heard recommended in a few different places, including the Sort of Awesome Hangout group where all good recommendations in life come from. <laughs> <laughs>
1: true. Very true.
0: <laughs> I had heard a lot of good things from uh, about Benefit Cosmetics roller lash mascara so I gave it a try and it is it's actually everything I really had been looking for you get a lot of oomph you get a lot of bang for your buck with this one and so far, and I've been using this one for well over a month now. It has way, way, way less, less um clumping problems. It's not as clumpy and, and yucky as, as it comes out of the tube. So it's the roller lash one. It also gives you a little bit of curl, just a little bit, enough to kind of give you that sort of wide-eyed look if you like that. I because I am honestly usually, you know, trying to get my face done, I not want to use an eyelash curler. I know lots of people, that's part of their makeup routine, but I like this gives you a little bit of curl without having to use an eyelash curler. It does a great job of staying all day. It's, it's, I don't think it's technically a waterproof mascara, but it does stay on for sure all day. So that sounds amazing. Yeah. I have super been loving it. The other one is a, um, a lipstick that I've heard people talk about for years. This is a one that my friend Laura Tremaine is a big fan of. In fact, this is a lipstick that she wore on her wedding day. So you know that it's like top-notch for sure. It's by NARS, which I think NARS makes some of the best lipsticks out there. It's one of their Audacious lipsticks. So I've talked about in the past, um, the NARS Audacious in Rita is one of my very favorite reds. This one, if you are not ready to join us in the awesome movement of (laughs) Red lips, which I'm so happy and so proud that so many of us are
1: picking up red lipstick and giving it, it a try. Is, it's seriously the best. I love I love those selfie threads. They're amazing. Yes,
0: totally. <laughs> They're making me so happy. But if you're not quite there or if you just need something that's a little bit more toned down for every day, um, I'm gonna tell you that I think you will love the NARS shade of Anna which is this really pretty, just kind of pinky, neutral, perfect for every day. I actually picked up some in Los Angeles last week when I was out there visiting Laura, um, Jamie Golden. And then Laura and I were on a panel at the Mom 2.0 Summit when I flew into Los Angeles. Um, I basically got off the plane and Laura and I went immediately shopping and, of course, had to hit up a Sephora. So <laughs> I was like, I'm finally going to get the Anna. And she was um, pretty proud that I was making that choice. And <laughs> I, it's totally paid off. I love it. it's a, It's fantastic. And it does, it's got a lot of um, long lastingness to it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. NARS Anna, it's a, the NARS Audacious Lipstick and Anna. And then the Benefit Roller Lash uh, is pretty fantastic too. So links to those will be in the show notes. And as always, you can find out more about what we're talking about on the show anytime by going to our show notes section over at sortofawesomeshow.com. So also don't forget that every single week, In the Sort of Awesome Hangout group on Facebook, we open up the floor for you all to share what is awesome in your life. And honestly, Adriel, I have found so many amazing discoveries reading through that thread every week.
1: I know. I love (laughs) that thread. It really is incredible. It's like every week I want to go, what's my awesome of the week? The awesome thread? Yes. (laughs) Exactly. It's pretty amazing. So fun.
0: Okay, so you can join us over there if you have not already joined our community of awesome. We are at Facebook.com slash groups slash sorta awesome hangout. Well, Awesomes, believe it or not, it's been one whole year since my family brought home our sweet doggy girl, jaja and in the past year, I've learned so well how important it is to find safe, reliable, trustworthy pet care for those sweet dogs that are like family. That's why I love Rover. Rover connects pet parents with the dog people in their area who will treat their pets like family. What's so awesome about Rover is that they are the nation's largest national network of five-star are pet sitters and dog walkers. Rover knows that your dog deserves only the best, so only 20% of sitters who begin their profiles are ultimately accepted to become Rover pet sitters. The things that I love most about using Rover are number one, the free meet and greets. They provide free in-person interviews and home environment visits to help you find the perfect match between your pet sitter and your pet. Secondly, I love how easy it is to use their app. You can search for a pet sitter, book a pet sitter, and pay your pet sitter all through Rover's app. So easy and it really takes the stress out of finding a pet sitter for your dog. With summer coming, maybe you and your family need to find a trusted dog person who will take care of your pet while you are away. And Rover wants you to be able to get $25 off of your first booking by going to rover.com slash awesome and using promo code awesome during checkout. That's $25 off of your first booking through Rover when you go to rover.com slash awesome and use promo code awesome during checkout. Thank you to all of the dog people at Rover. Awesomes, spring and summer are here. And if your family is anything like mine, that means that you are packing a to-go bag, whether it's by the pool, at the beach, at a ball game, wherever this beautiful warm weather is taking you, you want to have something close at hand that you and your family can snack on and feel good about. That's why I'm so excited that this episode of Sorta Awesome is sponsored by RX Bar Kids. We love RX Bars because they are a whole food protein bar made with 100 whole ingredients. They actually are really delicious. I had several of them when I was traveling earlier this month and I needed a quick snack on the go. The awesome team at RX Bar created the Kids Bar line so parents have easy access to Great nutrition for their kids and they can take them on the go just throw them in your beach bag or stash some in the snack compartment of your car for when hunger strikes. They're also perfect for your end of the season or end of the school year parties because they're great for all kids. They have zero added sugar, no gluten, no soy, no dairy, no bad stuff. RX bars come in three fun flavors, chocolate chip, apple cinnamon raisin, and berry blast. Keep an eye out for RX bars at your local Target store or For 25% off of your first order, if you want to get stocked up before summer really starts, visit rxbar.com slash awesome and enter promo code awesome at checkout. That's rxbar.com slash awesome and use promo code awesome at checkout for 25% off of your first order. Thank you, RxBar Kids. Okay. Well, I cannot wait to dig into this conversation. Adriel, you have such a gift of being able to uh, know and understand the hearts and lives of women so well. And in this new book that just came out, I guess we should, let's talk about the book, the title, the release, all of that first, because I want to hear the whole story of how this came to be. But so you just released a brand new book called Grace Like Scarlet. It just came out this month. Let's talk story of the book coming into being first. I would love to hear from you because I don't even, I think I've just gotten glimpses and, and little bits and pieces along the way as this book came into being as, you know, as you were preparing it and writing it, why don't we start there? Just tell us the story of Grace Like Scarlet.
1: You know, I, as far back as I can remember, I thought I would love to be an author when I'm older Yes. I always imagined it. I always imagined it that it would be in my golden years, and <laughs> you know, right. I would have kind of had the busy career and done all the things and raised my children, and then in my golden years, I would write out all of my wisdom. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right A idea of what an an author would be. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and you know, like many women, um, I started blogging when my first child was born. So it you know, flipped my career upside down in a good way. Yeah, And um, I was doing a lot of speaking and traveling at the time. I'm a Bible teacher and, you know, I was was doing a fairly significant speaking circuit. And when he was born, I just needed to cut, well, I wanted to cut all that back. And so, you know, I wanted to be home with him. And so I think in the midst of that, I, I discovered, I do need to do something. So, I started blogging. And to be honest, I had never even read a blog when I started blogging. Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> That's so funny. And like, after I started blogging, I was like, I guess we should read a few blogs and see what people do, you know? Um, and so I started writing. And I think that really unlocked something for me. I had done a lot of writing in my earlier years, you know, my early young adult years, like in college. And, you know, I've, I've always been a journaler, but I I'd never tried to write for other people in a way that other people could get value. So Mm. I quickly discovered like, this is a great outlet for me. I I wasn't doing as much teaching and speaking, but it would just give me a way to feel like, okay, I'm still offering something to people, hopefully of value, you know? So, um, so I still thought, Oh, it'd be nice to be an author one day, but I started looking at other younger women becoming authors and thinking that's insane. I don't know how they do that when they've got these really full lives with families and and all the rest of it. But I did start to kind of have that desire to grow and think, well, maybe I don't need to wait until my 60s and 70s to to write. So I was yeah. actually working on a different project, a different book project. Well, we kind of came to a time, my husband and I, where the desire to write was growing. And my husband, he's amazing. He's, you know, he's my biggest fan, biggest cheerleader. And he was really encouraging me, Adrielle. I think you need to take this more seriously. You're quite gifted, you know, and I, I just, I feel like we need to rearrange our lives in order for this, you to really run with this. Oh, wow. That's amazing. He was really pushing me. He was really pushing me and in a good way, you know, and so I. We, we had actually taken a year off, uh, a year ministry sabbatical after 15 years in ministry. We just needed a break and a change yes. of focus. Yeah. And so he said, you know, why don't during this year, I will be the primary caregiver for the kids and I'll do all the house stuff and I'll do the cooking and you can just write full time, you know? And I was like, dream come true. This is amazing. Yeah. So, and I know like my story, not everyone has a luxury like that. It was, it was pretty incredible. So I started writing full time, um, you know, I was I still blogging a little bit, but I was trying to work offline as much as I could <laughs> and I was working on another project and I had actually had a, a miscarriage the year before which I guess we'll talk about that later, but I'd had a miscarriage the year before and I was pregnant again Mm. after that. So Mm -hmm. I was writing, it's a bit of a long story, but I got invited to this um, writer's retreat in Italy with a literary agent and some of her other clients. And it was while I was in Italy pregnant after Mm -hmm. miscarriage working on another project that I felt like this prompting within, and I'm a Christian, Mm -hmm. so I felt this like, divine sort of prompting to write the book about my miscarriage experience and how to grieve with hope in the midst of that. And I kind of thought, well, I had written about my experiences online a lot and I was I was used to writing about that. And I did I did think I would write a book about this eventually, but I really, honestly, genuinely wholeheartedly, how many more descriptors can I put in there? I really <laughs> thought this would be much later in life when it was all tied up with a pretty little bow yes. and I was done having babies and out of this vulnerable place. But I felt this prompting, like put this project down and work on this project, you know, and I already had a name for it. I'm um, Grace Lake Scarlet. And, um, and so I, I, just felt this kind of divine prompting work on Grace Like Scarlet. And I thought, well, okay, but I don't really want to think about that while I'm in Italy because that, that's hard and deep and, right. you know, <laughs> that's stuff yes. like, painful. And, yes. like, I just want to kind of enjoy my time in Italy. And then when I get home, like, then we'll, we'll talk about that, you know, kind of thing. Yes. And um, two days later, I started having my second miscarriage mm-hmm. while I was in Italy. And right. so all of this story about the book and my writing, you know, as well as my motherhood journey, it's all very interconnected. Yes, Um, but I knew, and I, I was so angry, you know, when that second miscarriage started, I was so angry and I thought, what the heck, you know, like, I don't need more material. (laughs) That was one of my first thoughts. Like I I'll write about this, but I don't need more experience. I don't want, you know, I could not believe it was happening again. Um, but it also really put a fire in my bones, like I, this is important. It's important that people talk about this. It's important. This conversation's opened up. It's important that even as women that we are able to be honest about what motherhood is like, you know, mm-hmm. the whole, the full spectrum of it. The full spectrum. Yeah, yes. Because it is beautiful and wonderful and thrilling. And, you know, you know, I, I, I hope that every woman who wants to be a mother has that opportunity. Um, yes. It is also excruciating. Motherhood is excruciating. And so I feel like it's so important that we are honest about the full spectrum. So yeah, so I started working on that project. And the woman who had organized the writer's retreat in Italy, she had been following my work, which I didn't know. In fact, when I first met her, it's kind of a funny story. When I first met her, I didn't even know what a literary agent was. Oh, (laughs) 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 <laughs> and I was at this writer's conference. I've never been to a writer's conference. I was at my first writer's conference and she was chatting and she was like, oh, hi. And she knew who I was. And she was like, oh, we're friends on Facebook. And I was like, we are? I didn't, like, I just didn't even, I had no idea. I, you know, totally, totally obvious. Yeah. Your and, friends list is probably a little like behind, like, huh? Okay. I know. I kind of went through a phase where, because I was doing a lot of speaking, I would just think, yes. well, I guess, like, you feel like we're friends, so okay, it's fine. Yeah, yeah no, I totally get it. Yeah. I totally I locked get it. it. I locked it down later, but then kind of opened it up again because I'm like, well, whatever. I don't yeah. know. I Facebook agree. is complicated. It's so complicated. <laughs> anyway, so I was kind of bluffing through this. Hello, and not really knowing who she was. And then she left, and a friend of mine who's also a writer was like, Oh, that's so and so. She's a really big deal literary agent. And I was like, What's a literary (laughs) agent? (laughs) (laughs) So, total rookie. She explained what a literary agent was. And I was like, Oh, I was supposed to try to impress her. Okay, well, anyway. (laughs) So, you know, that was that. And, you know, she ended up inviting me to Italy. She had been following my work. Um, You know, along the lines, she signed me and, I worked on the proposal and like during the writing, it took me a long time. Okay. It took mm. me a long time because I started writing the proposal and some of the chapters, you know, through grieving my, this second miscarriage. And then yes. when I was ready, we got pregnant again mm-hmm. and that's complicated. Pregnancy after miscarriage is complicated for yes. a lot of reasons. Yes. And We're going to get
0: to that part later for sure. Cause I think that's yeah. something we talked talk about, but yes, please okay. keep going with the story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so then I had a third miscarriage mm. and after the third one, I just was like, okay, I I've got no more words. I'm done. And I just kind of closed the laptop. I didn't write yeah. anything for six months. I just, you know, we, we grieve differently. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but you grieve. There's so many forms of grief Yes, and I grieve differently during after all three of my miscarriages. Mm. Um, and so I think even, you know, in the human experiences, there's different types of grief, but even within the human heart, there's different types. And so for me, that third one, I just shut it down. Um, and so by the time I finished actually writing my book proposal, like picking it up again, six months later, finishing it, you know, it had been a year and a half since that trip in Italy. Mm. And this was just the book proposal, so she shopped it for me and you know we actually had like four offers it was incredible. And I don't say that to brag but I d- I did want to say that because I think that is indicative of the need. Oh absolutely yes. There's a huge need and a huge gap. And so I think it was just kind of the right timing and I was able to you know get a contract and work on the book and then in the midst of that I also you know, was pregnant again. So this was another pregnancy. And, um, I was like, this is it. Like, this is my last go. Like, I, I don't know if I can keep going. Um, and that, um, so I wrote through that pregnancy, which was excruciating for a lot of reasons. I, I was really physically unwell. Um, and then had my little baby took three months off of maternity leave and continued writing through the newborn days and sleepless nights. And so like, (sighs) honestly, it's an absolute miracle. I do not recommend this method of writing a book. (laughs) So it was many years of of writing through all of, all of these, you know, huge life events. So yeah, that's, that's the story of how it all came about. So we, um, We really wanted it to be released for Mother's Day. And so that was kind of the push, like working backward toward this time frame Mm. of, of having something for them. So, yeah.
0: I think that's so important. And I absolutely agree with you. The reason that, well, first of all, again, you are a very talented writer and you write with such compassion, such empathy, and so approachable in your writing. But truly, I think there has been such a desperate need for this book in the market towards women and towards motherhood, one in four pregnancies end in pregnancy loss. And so it is no surprise at all that, you know, when women experience these tragic and heartbreaking moments in their lives, uh, you know, in the, in the overarching story of their lives, you want to know you're not alone. and You want to know how do I walk through this And so it's absolutely no surprise that there was so much interest in bringing this book to life, bringing this story, your story, and the story of your family to life. And so I would also love for you to tell us, um, for anybody who's not familiar with your work, the story behind the name Grace Like Scarlet.
1: Yeah, I would love to. So we've named each of the babies that we miscarried. And I know that some people do that, some people don't. For us, that was important because we felt like it just gave identity to these little ones. It helped give identity even to our pain. Yes. You know, sometimes we need to name our pain in order that we can address it. Um, and so we named our little babies. And the first, the first one, um, that first miscarriage, we named her Scarlet Grace. We love to think about the meaning behind names. We've done that with all of our children, and for us, Scarlet just kind of represented. It represented beauty, but it also represented pain and sacrifice and redemption. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of symbolism in the Christian faith around this whole idea of scarlet. So that was scarlet to us kind of the pain um in, in the sacrifice and redemption. But then Grace was we felt like uh, we knew even in the midst of our darkest pain, we knew that God would somehow release grace through that situation and grace to be able to walk through it and heal through it. And, you know, so that was that was um, the name of our first daughter. And so when I it was actually not law, it was like within days of having that miscarriage. I knew I would write about this, like I said, later, much, much later in life. <laughs> Yes, And I, I felt like that title just kind of dropped into my mind, Grace Like Scarlet, you know, and just the whole idea that even um, our pain can be used to unlock something beautiful. I and um, yeah, mm. so I, I like my christian tradition like i believe very strongly that god doesn't sanction suffering that is not that's not his business but what he does is he moves into the midst of it and can create something beautiful there anyway mm-hmm. so this whole idea of grace like scarlet is that yeah even your hardest thing in life that you can find grace in the midst of that so that's where the name came from uh,
0: i love that so much thank you for mm-hmm. taking a minute to share the story behind that i know that that is going to really resonate For people, and you, one of the things I really deeply love about this book is that you are not afraid to engage in the topic of, in the experience of suffering, which I do think, and I've, you know, Adriel, I've been a Christian since I was teeny tiny. Uh, and so I've read lots of, lots and lots of books about living the Christian life, um, and, and certainly as I became an adult, lots of books aimed at women and um, and how to live the Christian life. And I feel like sometimes suffering um, gets short shrift. <laughs> it's sort of like you know you just cast your cares on the Lord and you just move on with your life, basically. That yeah. yeah. um, it, it, there's a sort of um, almost a, a righteousness in either avoiding suffering or just um ignoring that it's happening or a quickness of to to go from the the pain of suffering to you know maybe the the joy of um, you know how we discover more about God, which is absolutely true I think but I think a lot of times it, it feels like to me there's just not much, said about suffering because honestly who really wants to talk about suffering it's difficult it's dark and it's difficult and and sometimes we don't want to confront it in our own lives let alone learn more about how to walk through a, a season of suffering with other people it's very difficult um it's one of the things that actually drew me to the catholic faith catholics embrace suffering in a big way. (laughs) And that idea of suffering, having a redemptive quality to it, um, a redemptive element in our lives has, it's almost like that idea of actually embracing suffering for what it is and what it can, how it can transform us. I love that rather than wanting to run away from suffering. I want to learn more about that. And I really feel like that in Grace Like Scarlet, you, you do absolutely approach that in a, um, in a very profound way. And, I, and again, I think that's another reason why this book got a lot of attention from publishers, because you aren't afraid to talk about it. Um, speaking of the topic of suffering and how we grieve, you mentioned, and I think this is so interesting, you had three consecutive miscarriages, three consecutive pregnancy losses. And you mentioned that your grief looked different in, in, for each of those losses, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, because I think that that is so important that we understand about miscarriage for sure. But then the, the bigger thing of grief in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, those three different experiences, like my, my first miscarriage, I would say was characterized. My grief was mostly characterized by just sorrow, sadness. You know, I just, I was so overwhelmingly sad. Um it really it really blindsided me. I did not see it coming. Um, I had two healthy kids already mm. um, and so I just took for granted the whole thing. you know, you kind of know it's possible everyone knows miscarriage is possible, but I I really took it for granted. Um, and so yeah it was just I was so sad. And yeah. then my second one, I I had because I had really thought the first one was a one-off, it was mm. like the second one was, it was actually as surprising as the first one right? because I just thought, well, I guess if it's one in four, I've done my, you know, yes, <laughs> I've, I've had that now, like we move on back to regularly scheduled programming and I was blindsided again. And my, that second one, I was angry. I was angry oh, as hell. I mean, yeah. I just was, I was so angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry at my body. I was angry at... The way people did or didn't respond, I was just angry at everything. And, and my third one, I think, when I got pregnant that third time, I right away felt like I don't know that my body's responding correctly, and I just felt a little bit off. And so I think I was very anxious right from the beginning. And I pressed for really early testing, and then sure enough, you know, I I was the baby wasn't growing normally, and um and so I that miscarriage. I think I saw it coming and so that changed things, Mm. but I just felt really numb after that. I just felt like really flat, you know, that kind of depression that is just, it's not a sorrow, but it's a flatness. That's what I felt. And I think it's important when we look at grief and suffering, because there's so many different forms, you know, I know we're talking about pregnancy loss, but the same stuff applies to relational breakdown and financial crisis and, Mm -hmm. you know diagnoses and, you know, all sorts of forms of of loss and suffering. And, and um, it was really important for me to realize that there is a huge, vast, wide spectrum of normal in terms of how we feel and how we experience grief and suffering. And um, it, it was important for me, you know, to be honest about that with myself. Yeah, um, before God, with my husband, with my friends, and um, I think one of the things—and you mentioned it before—like especially if you've grown up as a Christian, I know my experience was that we do a great job of celebrating and rejoicing with one another, but we mm-hmm. we don't do a great job of entering into pain with one another. You know, we we would like to throw a spiritual antidote at it, or we like to sort of have a success story, like how can I rewrite my my story to be the hero and, you know, to conquer and all this sort of thing. And of course we love those stories. Um, but there's something really just deeply human about suffering. And we, I think we need, we actually need to give it the dignity of recognition Mm. so that it can do its work in our life and, and let it transform us because it can transform us. It will, whether we want it to or not. And so, right. how do you how do you let it transform you in a way that will then serve others as well, um, and help you flourish in your own life? So, I think that's what's really important. Oh,
0: I think that is so true. Thank you for saying that. Um, and I think absolutely, it's a it's a truth about our human existence that we may. I mean, we can try to avoid it if we want to, but eventually, all of us do encounter suffering. And it does change us. It does. So thinking about how we can apply that to our own lives, but also to give us the sort of, I don't know, the courage and compassion to enter into those seasons with our friends and our family as uncomfortable and messy and awkward as it can be. And it definitely is.
1: It is. It is.
0: Just being able to show up for other people in that way is such a gift. It truly is. Okay, Awesomes, listen up. If you are needing new window treatments, whether you want new blinds, shades, drapes, or shutters, you need to contact Smith and Noble. Why? Well, Smith and Noble has covered over eight million windows nationwide. They are the custom window treatment experts. They can help you transform your windows within your budget and without any hassle for you. The whole team at Smith and Noble is committed to quality and to making sure that you have the best experience from start to finish. They want you to have fun creating a look that you will love from their extensive collection of hand-crafted, lines drapes and shutters and if you're needing some advice they have free design consultations available to you in your home or over the phone then you can just sit back and let smith and noble take care of the rest their experts come in and measure for free they also offer a professional installation for a guaranteed perfect fit smith and noble is the best and most awesome choice for updating your window treatments and great news, they are giving you the awesomes, this fantastic limited time offer to get you started. They want you to have 25% off of your Smith & Noble window treatments. But to get this deal, you have to go to smithandnoble.com awesome for details, all the details on this great offer. Go to smithandnoble.com awesome. Remember, it's smithandnoble.com awesome. Thank you, Smith & Noble. Hey Awesomes! If you're looking for something new and also very awesome to keep your earbuds busy this spring and the whole summer long, you know you can head over to Audible to pick up some great stuff to listen to. Audible helps you listen to more books by letting you switch seamlessly between devices you can pick up right where you left off. That means you can go from listening through your earbuds while you're doing your grocery shopping to tuning back in with Alexa in your kitchen without missing a word. Audible lets you go through tons of books, hands-free and eyes-free, while doing almost anything. Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in the store, and your unused credits roll over to the next month. If you didn't like the audiobook, you can exchange it, no questions asked. I'm just going to be super honest with you. The main reason we signed up for Audible a couple of years ago is because we wanted to listen to J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series read by the incomparable Jim Dale. If you are looking for summer listening with your kids, and honestly, even just for yourself, I promise audiobooks don't get any better than this. And you can find it at Audible and start your free 30-day trial by going to audible.com com slash awesome or text awesome to 500-500 to get started. That's audible.com slash awesome, A-W-E-S-O-M-E or text awesome to 500-500 to get started with your 30-day free trial today at audible.com slash awesome. Thank you, Audible. Um, speaking of showing up for other people in the midst of their own grief, you are obviously experiencing these consecutive losses completely heartbreaking, so tragic for you as a woman who's going through the not only you know the the emotions of it but also the physical. Uh, experience of of losing these pregnancies, these babies. And then you also have, like you said, you have two other children and also your husband, the father of these babies. I I have to imagine that he's going through his own process. In fact, you include a letter from him in the book as well. But I would love, because one of the things you know that we do on, on Sort of Awesome often is talk about, okay, let's, we're talking about this topic we're dealing with it, but also how can we get practical about it? So I would love to hear from you. And I know people who are listening would love to hear more about how do you help your children through this and, and how do you help your partner through this? Um, What does that look like
1: in the context of family relationship? Yeah. You know, I guess I can talk about the kids first for, for my, for my experience, our kids were little, you know, and so you've got to tailor it. You've got to tailor your experience, obviously to your family, but we really felt like, It was important for us to include our kids in what was going on for several reasons. I mean, one of the reasons is because they see that something's wrong. They see that mom's crying more than usual. They see that, you know, um, they see that there's people around them have concern for their parents. And so I think trying to shield them from that really does them a disservice and, and can actually cause the children to feel really insecure because they don't know what's happening. So we felt like it was important to include them. Another reason we felt like it was really important was because as Christians, our faith experience is really important to us and you know our beliefs are important to us and we want them to know, you know, the full spectrum of life and death and what we believe. Oh, yes. And so why would we not want to yeah. teach these things to our kids in the loving environment of our homes rather than later when they're out in the, you know, in the, in the hard world trying to figure it out on their own. So we just, um, we tried to always include them in a really age appropriate way, you know? And so obviously when kids are different ages, you would, you would help them differently, but, for me that some of the biggest things are, you know, be honest with them and avoid, avoid youth euphemisms. You know, we would never say like, Oh, yes. the baby is sleeping now, you know, because then what if the little child goes to sleep? They're afraid of going to sleep because, well, what if I don't come back either, you know, or, you right. know, mommy lost the baby. Well, are you going to lose me? You know? So I, you know, I think there's so many things that we are tempted to say that actually, if you take a pause and think about, well, how could a child receive those statements could be really un- unhelpful. So we just, mm. um, you know, are honest and avoid euphemisms and really welcome their questions, you know, and, and let them ask questions about what happened. So for us, our kids were little. So we said very simple things like, you know, the baby died in mommy's yes. tummy. And, mm. you know, but to be honest and, and simply, and then to welcome their questions, you know, and then in the midst of that, even be able to go like, I don't know if they ask a question that you don't know, you know, (laughs) so even, even even deep questions about heaven and things like that, you know, I mean, gosh, there's a lot of questions that I have to say, well, I don't know. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be wonderful if we knew that? And I can turn it back to that. Mm. I have that question too, you know, and, and um, I think there's a lot of, of different ways that we can just encourage them to process, whether it's through play or, you know, reading books about, Um, loss like child picture books or, you know, making sure your, you know, environment is just conducive to them feeling secure. So we, we just we did little things like let's make sure that in the midst of feeling like our lives are turned upside down that we still do bedtime stories. You know, and we yeah. still do like the things that are the, an anchor in your day, like keep those things or your weekly rhythms that just provide security to your family. So I think those were some of the most important things to do. And then even to remember that just like we grieve differently, our kids grieve differently, too. Ah, oh, like, yes. You know? Yeah. And some kids will um, just kind of appear as if nothing's wrong and it's no big deal. And and then it might come out a long time later you know, through dreams. And some kids might just be all of a sudden having behavioral problems. And you think, what in the world? I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with this. And why is my child going crazy? And, you know, when you really try and look at it, well, they're probably – grieving something as well. And we have to help them give language yeah, to that.
0: That's so good. And I think that it is a great reminder that kids do grieve differently. And even within your own family yes. different children, they're going to have their own approaches and they're going to have their own timeline too. I think as adults, we kind of are in a place in our culture where we understand that grief doesn't necessarily unfold the same way for everybody and that it can hit at different times, but we don't stop to think about our children also having their own timeline.
1: And one of the things that was really helpful for us with the kids and with Ryan, and I can talk about husbands as well, partners, but naming the children, naming the babies was really helpful for them. You know, it helped to give identity. It helped make it tangible. Um, And then we also did like I I always encourage people do some sort of a ritual, some sort of a commemoration, you know, and there are so many ideas and ways to do that. Um, and I, I have written blog posts about that if people want to see, or, you know, I've got suggestions in my book and the appendix, but what we did is we um, got helium balloons and we wrote messages like goodbye messages. And Mm. then we released those and we did that after all three of our miscarriages and, It was a really beautiful moment to just go, okay, we have to acknowledge that they're gone and we want to celebrate that they were here even for a short time, but that acknowledge that they're gone. And so for us, that was just a really beautiful way. You know, Ryan talks about it often that that helped him to make it more concrete because pregnancy loss is so abstract and until, until you're the one that's pregnant, you know, it's very abstract right. for other people and they do feel grief, but it's like, this is weird, awkward grief. And so mm. for him, that really helped to make it concrete and to do something, you know, um, to feel like it's not a closure. I don't think that's the right word, but it is a commemoration, you know, it's a milestone. Yes, And so that was something that was really helpful for our whole family to do.
0: I love that. And I love that, you know, drawing out the point that it is that even for the, you know, the partners, the spouse, the, the father who's part of this as well, that it can even in the midst of their grief can still feel a little abstract. I think that's a
1: really good way to describe yeah. it. You know, psychologists call it disenfranchised grief, actually. And mm. I mean, that's the kind of grief that is very abstract, like pregnancy loss is one of them. But you could put other things in that category, too, like seeing a parent slip away with dementia. Or um, yes. you know, losing yes. someone to suicide. You know, some of these topics mm-hmm. that it is a, a grief, but it's hard to talk about culturally. Still, there's a lot of stigma around some of these, and so it does feel very um, disenfranchised. Yeah. Okay, and so you shared the
0: heartbreak of losing these three pregnancies back to back to back, and then you get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And now you have running around, <laughs> you have sweet little Micah who has joined your family. Let's talk a little bit about pregnancy after loss, which again, if one in four pregnancies ends with a loss, we all know that if we have not experienced this ourselves, that we know we have, you know, sisters and best friends and, you know, we know people who have gone on to have Children after these losses, so I would love to hear just a little bit before we go, just a little bit about your experience of pregnancy after the losses that you endured. Yeah,
1: well i I wish I could say here's the playbook, like just follow these right. rules and you'll be just <laughs> fine. But it just it exactly. does not work that way. You know, we are so human, beautifully human. Yes, and yes. Um, I I struggled so much with fear and anxiety. I think by personality, that those are not struggles of mine. Typically, Mm. I have other, Mm -hmm. you know, things that are more common to me in my struggles, but fear and anxiety are not, it's not something I typically deal with. But I was terrified. I was really terrified. And I think every, you know, before you lose a baby, you go to an ultrasound and it's like, you are so looking forward to it. It is. Yes. It is, yes, yes. You have great. it like circle big on the calendar. It's you, all you want everyone to know. I mean, and so when you are pregnant after miscarriage, it's like you walk into those appointments with fear and trembling, you know, yeah, and yeah. just going, oh, please, dear God, let everything be OK. Um, yeah. So I think for me during that whole pregnancy I was really physically unwell as well I had some mm. like basically my pelvis was falling apart so I couldn't walk mm. I was in a lot of pain I that didn't add to my emotional well-being because I was in a constant different form of suffering like a physical suffering as well um yes. and so it was kind I just was hanging on from one um One marker to the next, I had to be really open with myself, really honest with myself, really open and honest with my husband about how I was coping as I went. And, you know, my faith was very important to me. It is very important to me. Um, I had to learn centering prayer and, you know, I had to, I had to learn deep breathing. There were things that are very practical that probably we should all be doing anyway, and I wasn't. But those things really helped me to sort of cope with pregnancy after loss. But I tell you what, like, I I really believe that pregnancy is a gift and we should celebrate it. Um, and so I was trying to be deliberate to celebrate it, even when I was terrified, you know. Yes. I, I, I definitely yes. wasn't taking weekly selfies or anything like that, but I was trying to – I was trying to mark the pregnancy. I was trying to take pictures, you know as, as I was able. I was trying to let my heart um, go there. I, I couldn't let it yeah. free fall into love like it didn't do it automatically, but I was I was trying to go there and I, I think that is important mm-hmm. that we sort of allow ourselves the grace to go, I'm slowly like opening myself up to love this little child yeah. and to love this yes. possibility of a life together, but also knowing that. You know, I have to hold this baby loosely. I think that's one thing that right. I really learned. And it's a, it's difficult as parents. We just have to hold our kids loosely anyway, even while we're fiercely clinging to them and loving them and trying to protect yes. them. It's such a paradox. But, you know, I know that like a 12-week um, successful ultrasound doesn't mean you're going to have a baby in your arms. There's just no guarantees. And so um, I think it's so important that we try and give ourselves permission to love and celebrate our little ones, even while we acknowledge this is still hard, I have anxiety, there's fear, this is difficult, um, but that we make room for both. So that, for me, that was a huge, huge learning curve in these pregnancies and then particularly with Micah. I think it, it wasn't until, I mean, one thing I had to do is I had to buy a Doppler so I could hear the heartbeat on my own. And I know that people and doctors usually advise against that. Um, For me, I needed to do that. And I knew that I wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to be completely obsessed, but I kind of made this little rule for myself. And I thought, if I've been nervous for 24 hours, I'm going to use the Doppler. Yeah, and I yeah. kind of gave myself that little thing because I didn't want to be pulling it out every two hours because I was nervous all the time. Sure. But I thought if I'm anxious for 24 hours, then I'm going to pull it out. And I just did that. And it was so helpful for me. Um, I mean, because my my miscarriages were missed miscarriages, which means that I didn't start bleeding until after I already found out that they weren't growing. Uh, and so for me, there was that extra yeah. paranoia of like, what if I'm walking around with a dead baby and I don't even know?
0: Like, right. That was a very right.
1: real fear. So the yes. Doppler helped me, um, but it wasn't really until I got to sort of the 24, 25 around that that marker where I knew like, okay, if something happens and this baby uh-huh. has to be delivered, it's likely that that he would still survive, you know, with medical help. Right. Um, right. So for me, that's when the, the joy of pregnancy really started blooming a lot more was in that very end uh, those very yes. end few weeks but it was very surreal you know and then even with Micah when we I had him in the birth center and you know that I pulled I was in the bath and pulled him out to my chest and he he actually came out uh, not breathing mm-hmm. and I didn't know I was so high on the birth hormones and the, the midwife is going rub him rub him he's not breathing you know and I think and obviously you know <laughs> he's fine he yeah fine yeah. he was revived, but he came out blue and limp. And I think, you know, that triggered Ryan all over again. For me, it kind of, sure. just this whole thing of like, you know, we, we never really know. Um, but right. life requires faith. Like love is so risky to let your heart go. It's so worth it, but it's so risky. Like you can never remove the risk of it. I actually think the very best thing that we can do is just sort of recognize that this kind of loss is like a woman has just given birth and lost a loved one all at the same time. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, when you talk about like, what what are the things you would do when someone's postpartum and hormonal and, you know, struggling um, with all of the physicality that goes along with that and the emotions, those are the same things that this woman needs, but she also needs to be cared for as if she's grieving the loss of a loved one. Yes. So, you know, bring the casserole, send the flowers, write the card. Um say something, you know, don't minimize her pain, but say something, enter into it and care for her in those ways.
0: That is perfect. That makes so much sense. That's exactly what it is. It's all of the stuff that comes after birth and the stuff of losing someone that you love very much. So that is a perfect way to, to help us remember what we can do to show up in a way that's very awesome for our friends and loved ones. So thank you for that. Well, as a reminder, those of you who've listened to Sort of Awesome for a while may remember this, that back in Episode 80, Rebecca shared her story of pregnancy loss. And in that episode, in Episode 80, we talk a little bit even more about some practical ways to help uh, a friend and to, you know, just be able to practice Excellent care for yourself uh, through pregnancy loss. So I'm gonna, I'll put a link to that episode in show notes for this. But genuinely, one of the best ways I think that you could reach out to a friend who's going through pregnancy loss, or if you would like to experience healing for yourself following some losses, I can't recommend highly enough Grace like Scarlet for to read through. It's uh, you will see yourself. No matter who you are, you will see yourself somewhere in the pages of this book. So, Adriel, tell us where we can find, first of all, where you can find the book, Grace Like Scarlet, where I know it released this month.
1: Where can we find it? Yeah, it's everywhere. You can find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and ChristianBook.com, Book Depository, so and so. It's it's everywhere um, online. Awesome. Yeah, easy to find. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Also, where can we find you if
0: we would like to just be able to find you, follow along your family, follow along with book stuff, all of those things. Where's the best place for us to find you as well? Yeah,
1: I am everywhere at Adrielle Booker. So I'm on Facebook, Adrielle Booker, Twitter, um, Instagram. My blog is adriellebooker.com. So try to keep it really easy. Thank
0: you so much. I know that you are doing lots of talking about the book and your story. And so I'm so thankful that you had time to come on sort of awesome and share your story with us and help us to be able to kind of process through some of this together. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh,
1: Thank you for having me. It's just a joy to talk to you anytime, Meg, and also just to be given the privilege to, to share with, with the awesome. So loved it. Yeah.
0: And also you are in the hangout group, oh, yeah. so people can reach yeah. out and talk to you a little bit more over there as well. Cool. So as a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. Like I said, you can find us in the hangout group for sure. We're also on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod, and you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. So thank you all so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer, and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com.